Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, a good Android option is Overcast. Apparently, that has been recommended to me a few times. Uh, I'm not part of the Android circle because, oh yeah, I like nice stuff. Anyway, uh, and also Apple Podcast, Google Play. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com, which is where you can find full links to the show notes and guests. On today's episode, I'm joined once again for the second week in a row. Yeah, second week in a row uh, by Jed, <laughs> aka... That guy named what? Yep, that one. Uh, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about some geek news and then two new movies which are in theater. One is in theaters now. One will be in theaters this weekend. Those movies are Tag and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. There's a theme to this episode. Uh, I'll have all the audience guess what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we definitely will see. Uh, but yeah, this is the podcast that brings you all of the interviews, movie reviews, and geeky news. Uh, for right now, we will go into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Back in back in full effect. <laughs> I st stutter my way through that one. Wow, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> I am a professional. <laughs> uh, so yeah. To uh, be fair, we did just come from a broiling hot theater, and it is really hot in the studio. Also, so Seattle has been experiencing a bit of a heat wave. Yeah. It was like eighty five today, close to yeah, at least. And in the theater, it was about a hundred and fifty, <laughs> surrounded by just nothing but geeky movie reviewers. <laughs> oh man! So uh. we go to the theater. Uh, I had stepped out to get uh, my popcorn, came back in. I was like, man, it is pretty hot in here. Hopefully it will cool down. I, I always bring a jacket in case it gets cold. <laughs> then Jed says, yeah, they just announced the air conditioner is broken. <laughs> As I'm stripping off layers. <laughs> yeah, it was toasty. And they're like, everybody around us, it felt like Sunday at a Baptist church because everybody is <laughs> like doing like makeshift fans out of like napkins and popcorn <laughs> buckets. Pretty much. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, it definitely so it is late on a Tuesday night. We right. literally just got out of watching Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, but the first thing on the episode are the geek news items of the week slash who knows if they will still be accurate. I always give that disclaimer. <laughs> it is like when you're watching TV shows and even like before, not, not to use Bill Cosby. Any, yep, I'm going to use Bill Cosby as, as an example. All right. Before he was actually found guilty, any of the talk shows, they would have to be like, he allegedly... Oh, yeah. The save you the legal... Yep, like, did X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah. Michael Vick allegedly... Yeah, even though there are pictures and video. <laughs> right. Uh, and, well, no, he actually went to jail. So, yeah. you know. I guess at this point, he's been convicted. Yeah. So, screw him. He did that. Uh, but, so, the, the geek news items <laughs> somehow tying into Michael Vick and Bill Cosby. Oh, we're in top... Yeah, top, top form. form. <laughs> uh, and I have not even had anything to drink, which probably is the Part reason. <laughs> that, that probably is it. Uh, my podcast fuel, a.k.a. tequila, uh, has not been flowing tonight. Anyway, so the geek news items, which 
could be happening, may or may not. Uh, some of them are going to be rumors. Some of them are actually real things. First thing, uh, so most people who know me know that I like a little independent sci-fi show. It was popular in the 80s and 90s called Star Trek The Next Generation. Never heard of it. Yep, probably not. Uh, absolutely love that show. It is the best. I will fight anybody. Oh. It is the best Star Trek show. Anybody who says... Oh, John, you're opening a can oh, of worms. I do not care. Anybody in our generation yeah. should never say the original series. Yeah. Well, it, it makes no sense. Mm, I dare it does, you. It does not age well. I, I, a lot of it does Seriously. not hold up well. Here's a challenge to my listeners. The original series, actually every Star Trek series, not, not Discovery, is on Netflix, mm-hmm. including the cartoon. The original series cartoon is on Netflix. Mm. I challenge you, watch four episodes in a row of the original series and trying to lose your mind. The show sucks. <laughs> like, it is just, oh, it is a rough John, watch. Anyway, so Star Trek, The Next Generation. I, this, I am not part of this po- podcast. <laughs> I'm just an official guest. Do not come hunt me down on the internet. <laughs> no, I, 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 will, I will fight anybody gladly. And Picard is the best captain, hands down. Oh, man. Yep, fight me, nerds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so the reason I bring up Next Generation is because Star Trek Discovery... Uh, the showrunners, there were there was some drama with Just the showrunners a uh, little bit, so they left. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Under circumstances, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> so the producer Alex Kurtzman kind of is coming in, and the, and he will be running the show for its second season. I still am not too sold on Discovery. Uh, it it was hard because there was some swearing, and mm-hmm. normally, like, I'm fine with that. Whatever, even though I keep the podcast PG thirteen. In general, I do not mind. Something about hearing that in a Star Trek TV show was weird because Star Trek was right. always a show. Like, we watched that as a family every week. Mm-hmm. Next Generation, that was what we did. And so it was just kind of, you know, maybe I'm getting just washed in my old age. And I was like, oh, how dare they? I still maintain the best modern day Star Trek currently going on mm-hmm. is Orville. See. Mm. I think Orville has like a lot of heart to it. I think Steph, it's it's yeah. it's Seth MacFarlane's little love letter, you know. It is, um, and I, I give him props for it. I, it's not. I get. I never finished this season, fair so it, it, it develops throughout the season. I would think. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that really, uh, you know, it's not a full Star Trek. You know, it's not as a, a highbrow as a mm-hmm. lot of the Star Trek may be. Well, I mean, especially Next Generation. Sure. That one's in deep philosophical sure. places. Voyager, not so much. Deep Space Nine definitely did because it had the whole religious element mm-hmm. with the Bajorans and the Cardassians and the prophets. Uh, <laughs> I am pushing up so many nerd glasses <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we, we'll see. But the big thing is that not only are they doing Discovery, but they have announced there could be potentially five at least <laughs> new Star Trek TV shows. Now, again, just like with Game of Thrones, like we talked about last time, who knows how many of those will actually make it to the pilot stage? Who knows? Even if they make a pilot, we might never see the pilot. It might just get shown to the studios, and then they're like, eh, how about you focus on this one? I, and I think you're burying the lead a little bit here, John. I am. So one of the shows there you go. Uh, could be a teen-oriented series uh, set at Starfleet Academy. Not the one I was thinking of, but okay. Uh, and so, you know, that could be it. The other one is limited series with the currently confidential plot. Nope. Another one, a limited series based around the beloved character Khan from the original Star Trek and the classic Wrath of the Khan, or Wrath of the Khan, Wrath of Khan, and an animated series with another currently confidential plot. 
Uh, the last one. There you go. That, <laughs> I like to build up the anticipation <laughs> that, again, may or may not be happening. Patrick Stewart might be coming back as Picard in one of these shows. To me, when I was reading through this article, it would make the most sense for the Starfleet Academy one. Mm. Trying to get everybody back for like a Star Trek The Next Generation type thing, I just as I don't think it is going to work. Some of the actors, I love all of them. Some of the actors are waiting by the phone for that call and would absolutely jump at it. That being said, I just I would almost rather, especially like go the Starfleet Academy route. And as long as it is not Wesley at Starfleet Academy, because, man, those episodes were painful. Yeah, I was going to say, you really want to go down that route? Uh, but I think it would be interesting to do a new Starfleet Academy show, have Picard be an admiral. Like the, the you know, the, uh, uh, not the Viper the, yeah. to uh, Tom Cruise's Maverick and Top Gun. Not where I was going. The Robin Williams to, oh, who was the leading Dead Poet Society? I cannot remember who it was. I was going for like a Dumbledore Harry Potter-esque. Okay, that too. <laughs> but I mean, that could be that could be interesting. I could see that, and I think it would be an easy way to kind of bridge the continuity without having to be like, and here is the head of the Science Academy, four-star Admiral Data. Here is the chief of ast- astrometrics. Like, just do one person. Just do Picard. I mean, again, n- not many people are going are just clamoring to be like, where is Data right now? Nobody cares. Hey, Brent Spinner is doing some good stuff. Is he? Hey, hey, hey. Is he? <laughs> he was in the Independence Day sequel. Mm, okay. Hey, so Okay, now make a great But of, of, every, of everybody with the next generation, I would say Jordy LaForge and Picard mm. are really the only ones that people would actually want to see back, mainly because the two of them have actually <laughs> maintained careers. <laughs> I mean, Jonathan Frakes did some great voiceover work, yeah. and he does travels a lot. Gates McFadden kind of dropped off the planet. Michael Dorn still. Michael Dorn is doing a ton of voiceover work. And he did some live action stuff recently. Uh, Marina Sirtis as Troy. She is not doing anything. She was in Crash. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was good in that. But in general, yeah, just give us Picard and it would make sense. So I'm on board for that. If it happens, the other five shows, I I just, I don't really, I mean, the details are not even there. So it is like do a Starfleet Academy show. Make Picard an admiral. I will watch every single episode. Yeah, the t- the teen one is not super exciting for me personally, um, just because I I feel like there's the pitfall of most Hollywood stuff where it's just gonna be like, oh, it's teen drama. They're gonna be poorly written. It's gonna be all about like, but I like him. I want to go to the star dance with her. Oh, but <laughs> I want to go to the star dance with her. You know, if they handle it in a mature sense, if they get some good writers behind it. Sure, great. And I'd love to see Picard back in any of that. Yeah. The big one for me that's kind of is the sore thumb is the con. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. It, it, because we, again, do you go the, the Richard Multibon right, con well, or the Benedict Cumberbatch con? But both of them, there's not a huge like story to tell there. I well, mean, there is well, with, the, with the eugenics, you know, but I mean, it led into the eugenics war. But yeah, that one is like, we had a great movie. Right. He was a villain of the TV show. Even better to Cumberbatch as Khan was okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, we got that. A whole show about him? I just, yeah, no. Yeah. Skip that. The animated one, eh. sure. Okay. But, so to me, yeah, the, the Academy, I think they, they could do some interesting stuff. All right, fair enough. Hopefully, maybe. <laughs> uh, next thing that definitely relates to what we talked about last week. So, Incredibles 2, 
Uh, the, again, just a little independent movie. Uh, open, okay. <laughs> open last week. It broke so many records. Uh, one of which being it opened to a $180 million weekend. Ugh. Which for an animated movie. It's pretty incredible. It is incredible. Uh, it beat Finding Dory. And right. which is weird. You would definitely think one of the Toy Stories would have the record for highest opening weekend for animated movie. Sure. But people love Finding Nemo. So Finding Dory. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that. So Incredibles 2 opened with $180 million. Dory. So it beat it by 45 million. Incredibles 2, like, it just is huge. It was like the top 10 opening weekend ever. It shows what 14 years of uh, anticipation kind of builds up to. Absolutely. Like, 14 years that we actually want. Yeah. (laughs) As opposed to things like, well, no, Terminator, they never gave us 14 years. Oh, no. The biggest gap, I think, was like seven, I want to say. So, like, but yeah, to get 14 years. And we st- like it just shows, yeah. Everybody who grew up with it ran to the theaters, dragged their kids, even though they did not really want to, because it was a movie for them. <laughs> so yeah, huge, huge weekend. And Incredibles too. Like if people have not seen it already, what are you waiting for? It got three goods. It did. It got three goods. It was fantastic, especially for a sequel. Picks up right away. Mm-hmm. It just it made sense. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty cool. In Marvel news. This one is interesting. So Captain Marvel, the mm-hmm. Brie Larson-led film that will somehow tie into Infinity War uh, yeah, in, in some way, shape, or form. With the Kree and who knows what else is out there. Yeah, and they did say something recently where they're like, Captain Marvel, when someone asked them, like, how powerful mm-hmm. she will be, somebody said, oh, she can move planets. Mm-hmm. D- d- no, stop. No. No, <laughs> that was something that Superman used to do pre-crisis Superman in the 70s. Or were they being coy? They could have been coy. I hope so. They because it was like, she's moving planets with her heart. <laughs> like pre-crisis Superman mm-hmm. was so ridiculously overpowered. He was flying through space one day, got some space dust in his nose. Nosed. Nosed? <laughs> Top form. <laughs> got some space dust in his nose, sneezed. And blew out a star. As you do. That is not how fission works. <laughs> but so when, when they said that, you know, whatever. But the big news with Captain Marvel is they hired, for the first of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a female composer. Mm-hmm. So Pinar Toprak uh, is going to be taking the lead for that score. I think that could be really cool. Um, uh, it is a relatively new composer. Uh, did some work on Krypton, yep. which is better than it should be. Uh, have you had a chance to watch it? I have not had a chance to watch it. I I, yeah. t- I tend to avoid DC stuff. I'm I grew up on Marvel. Boo. I know, I know. And for me, I just grew up on Marvel. So I Spider Man comics back in the day, all that. So I, I, the DC yeah. shows, uh, Smallville, all that kind of stuff didn't really have <sighs> so much good. sway to me. And um, all all the CW shows, yeah, no, so good. Or are they? Yes, eh. so so good. Where are they? They still are. All right, yeah, uh, but. Well, she's also the composer for a little video game you uh-huh. may have heard of. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, not many people have. No, uh, not many. Fortnite? Yeah. I think that's what the kids are talking about these days. Uh, is that Minecraft? Yes. John. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to smile and nod. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Fortnite, huge, huge game that everybody is playing, except for me, because ew, video games, Pfft, nerds. Um, 
So that that should be really interesting. I'm glad that they are just kind of branching out. Marvel has my faith <laughs> in just about everything they do. Yeah. Uh, the only thing similar to kind of flip the coin to DC. So the woman, so like the the Wonder Woman soundtrack, that cello, that is the one of the best superhero themes, in, it, and it really it is. beats out a lot of the Marvel stuff. It does, Credit and that was too. yeah, and that was performed by a female cellist who wrote that, composed it on this crazy electric cello that <laughs> she has, which is like a one quarter size. Reminds me of. Oh, man, this is, this is a wash reference. Do you remember the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie? Oh, yeah. With Paul Rubens? Yes. Yeah. So the violin that he was playing at the end when it just has, like, oh, the yeah. various pieces. Yeah, yeah, That is the type of cello that, that she used for parts of it. Okay. So, but yeah, it's like, that was, it just is cool. Representation matters. We say it all the time, but it pertains to all areas of film. Yeah. Be it on screen, behind the camera, scores, composers. So, yeah, I'm and excited for that. And a good or bad score can really make or break a film. You know, you just don't quite. Yeah, we, we may or may not be talking about that a little <laughs> bit later on this episode. What? <laughs> Why? Right. Uh, so, yeah, so good for, uh, let me pull it up again, Pinar Toprek. If I mispronounced your name, I'm very sorry, but mm, there we go. Uh, the last thing in the geek news, Creed 2 dropped their poster today as we are filming, and they say that they're going to be dropping a trailer tomorrow mm. so wednesday when this episode goes out i am so on board for creed 2 the first creed managed to take a boxing movie and it felt like an espn 30 for 30 style movie mm. it was the weirdest thing because i know that i'm watching a hollywood movie but they kept using real people mm-hmm. real espn commentators they're using clips from the movie in the espn clips in the movie like everything just felt real. It was it was crazy. This one, I'm only slightly te- not not tepid. I'm worried about how real they can now do this one because mm-hmm. the rough synopsis and they released this today. You know, but Drago's son is now his <sighs> now Creed's big fight in this movie, which. It is great. Rocky kids. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Drago murdered somebody. He killed a guy. In the the ring. How is he not in prison? Like, Tim and I have talked about this before. First of all, watching those movies is the worst refereeing of all time. (laughs) Like, not only did somebody die in the ring, that fight should would have been stopped in the real world in, like, the second round. Like, he just looks like hamburger meat and all of them so with this one having drago's son be the big fight i get it i get what they are doing especially in the context of like this real world thing how are they going to address in the movie the quote-unquote real world incident of drago killing a man <laughs> like i just i'm very worried i'm i'm waiting for the cameo from mr t's son right to come I'm, in and just like I don't know <laughs> for the next for the next two movies. I mean, so they did. Oh no, I guess technically they have Mr. Done, you. I don't know. They've done five. They did five original Rocky movies, including Rocky Balboa. Uh-huh. So I mean, ugh, yeah. So I just he just if, goes around fights the kids <laughs> of his old opponents. <laughs> I just I want this to end with the like pulling from the original stuff. Sure. If they do a Creed three, because most likely this is going to be a success. The first one blew everybody away. It was kind of what got Ryan Coogler Black Panther. 
So Ryan Coogler could not direct this one because of Black Panther. Just it was too much. Uh, so who do they bring in? I remember reading it. Uh, da, da, so Dolph Lundgren, blah, blah. Uh, Stephen Capel Jr. from The Land. Hmm. No idea. Yeah. Uh, is in the director's chair, but the screenplay is Sylvester Stallone, who is also one of the producers. Sure. Whatever that means. So I, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I just want them to kind of be done with this pulling from the originals. Yeah. So, because Michael B. Jordan is good enough oh, yeah. to do his own franchise without constantly have to be tying in these things. So, we will see uh, about that. But yeah, if the trailer does drop by the time this episode airs, I will put a link for it in the description below. So, that was it for, for the geek news items. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about briefly is a recap of the diversity in filmmaking series of panels that I was asked to go up to Vancouver, BC, and cover this past weekend. It was awesome. There were multiple panels having to do with... This was put on, I guess, by the Vancouver Asian Film Festival in combination with MAM, M-A-M-M, which is the Mighty Asian Movie Making Marathon. Crushed it. That's a nice uh, That's a nice acronym. Oh, yeah. Oh, they... Like, the, the people who are presenting, like, each panel had to do all the acronyms, like three times crushed it so <laughs> that was really good uh so yeah the panels there was one called trust your voice which is what does it take to make your voices heard a deep dive into funding strategies packing packaging and other challenges uh another one is the fight for visibility if the screen is a mirror what does it mean if you don't see yourself on it uh, and then a discussion on representation and visibility uh, there's one about raising the bar which was with up-and-coming writers just talking about what it truly means to have a successful project and what steps to do. And then also shaping the conversation, which is about representation, minority representation in the media and how people can shape that conversation. So overall, it was an awesome day. Awesome series of panels with industry professionals. Uh, shout out to a few of my friends who are, who are on those panels. So Nicholas, who is the producer on Cadence, which I reviewed before it was even released, like a year and a half ago. Wow. So that was awesome. Uh, There's also Patrick Sabangi, who is an awesome guy. Uh, he plays Captain Singh on The Flash in, okay. the, in the CW world. Uh, he has also been a guest on the show before. Uh, Lawrence Lamb, Joel McCarthy, Kira Zagorski. There were just so many great people with really solid insight into their various industries. Uh, and it was hosted by Mayumi and Natch, who organized the MAM section, not section, organized the MAM event that is coinciding with the Vancouver Asian Film Festival. I highly encourage people to go to things like this if you are interested in the industry, not just, I want to make a movie. Great, go to these. But even if it is, I want to learn more about these independent projects and how they can possibly become bigger. Highly encourage, check these out. So I think some of them are going to be available in some form of audio later. Uh, I'm not quite sure about that, but I will I will check. Uh, but yeah, I will put a link to those in the description below. Uh, thank you definitely to Mayumi and Natch for inviting me up there to cover it. I learned a lot in these kind of just like, uh, what was it, six hours? 
six hours of panels. They're a great Q and A. Um, I also got to hang out with Patrick and Kira and just my friends in the Vancouver film community, which I cannot say enough good things about the Vancouver film community. Seattle has a really solid one, but there's something different about Vancouver because they film so many yeah. things up there. Oh yeah. Definitely. And so, you know, you will see the same person. Like I was just watching, there's an episode of I'm trying to think of it was girls versus the city or different web series that I saw during the Vancouver web fest. And then I'm watching the flash and like one of the guys from that web series is in the flash and like this like bit role, he's under for like two minutes, but it's really cool just to see how tight knit the Vancouver filmmaking community is. So yeah, I will put a link to those in the description. Definitely check out the work that these creators are doing because it matters. A lot of these stories that they were telling, especially in panel number three, which is raising the bar, they were all talking about personal projects, whether it was Joel McCarthy talking about his web series called Inconceivable, which talks about the real life situation he had where he had a fling with his really good friend who was a lesbian, is a lesbian. They ended up having a kid together and are co-parenting. And he used that in this web series that he is doing. And he talked about the interesting things where when you do something taken from your life, even if you change names, mm -hmm. some of his friends would be watching and they were like, um, that's me. And he was like, <laughs> but I changed their name. And he was like, yeah, but that was our conversation. And he talked about just how that can be awkward, even though when you are working through not necessarily pain in this instance, mm -hmm but just kind of processing everything and you put in those real world conversations in a different context, but the people who are around, they, they know what it was. So that was just really interesting. Uh, Kira Zagorski was the director and writer of the Prince, which I have talked about on a previous episode, again, based on real world situations that her and her husband, Patrick have been in just being Brown people mm -hmm. in places where people say dumb stuff. So that is the easiest way that I can, that wow. I can say Boy, that. that narrows that down. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I just, I think about reading a lot of the, po the current politics and mm -hmm. it's just, we're at a point in our history where so much of those voices are, have we have, we're at this precipice where some of those voices could easily be silenced in a very nasty, mm -hmm. bad way. And I think as a community, as, as just as, as a nation, as people, we need to, keep our ears open to all those types of voices and, and not let them be silenced mm -hmm. and, you know, and listen to them so we can help people not go through what is currently happening right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's vital that art uh, pain is expressed through art, you know? And mm -hmm. so without listening to be these people's art, you can't understand or appreciate their pain often. Yeah. And that was what I talked to some of the panelists about. I mean, this is a whole diversity in filmmaking kind of workshop. And I was, I was saying to some of the people after the panels, tell your story. If you are looking for that representation in media and not seeing it, which happens a lot, make it. Nobody is going to know your story and be able to tell your story better than you. Yeah. Nobody was going to be able to make inconceivable like Joel did because that was his experience. Nobody was going to be able to make the prince like this or uh, La Mariposa the other story that they talked about, like if these things happen to you and you want to see yourself out there, find a way to do it. Even if it is not you in front and behind of the camera, do not have to do everything, <laughs> but just find ways to make it work. Connect with your community and tell your stories. Mm -hmm. So 
Very, very cool. Highly recommend uh, that. That was the Vancouver Asian Film Festival series of panels called Diversity in Filmmaking. Uh, so, on to the movie reviews of this week's episode. Uh, so, the movies, as I mentioned before, are Tag and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, how about I take over with Tag All right. and describe that one because I know you were just waiting <laughs> to talk about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so oh, Tag yeah. Yeah. is a new comedy. Uh, we talked about it briefly last week about a group of friends who for 35 years in the movie have been playing the same game of Tag during one month of the year. Regardless of what they are doing, they find a way to come together and play this game of tag. One of their friends, played by Jeremy Renner, has never been tagged. He is the best person to tag <laughs> ever. In the history of the world. In the history of the world. And so they basically band together. And they're like, this is the year we're going to get him. And the the script for this is incredible. Like, I was, I was expecting comedy for this. I mean, sure. the trailers were funny. Well, you got Hamill uh, Burris. You've got, uh, um, help me out here. Uh, so yeah, yeah, John Hamm, Ed Helms, Ed Helms, yeah, uh, Jake Johnson, Isla Fisher, Jeremy Renner. I mean, so you get a lot of people in this movie. The trailers already had me hooked. I was kind of shocked at how funny <laughs> this truly was, and I know that. I mean, any listeners of the show know that I love blooper reels. Yeah, I was dying to see a blooper reel during the credits. There, there has to be. Uh, so much cut footage from this because during the scenes you see them breaking you see them like trying new things oh yeah and i just i i have to see the blooper reel for this well that's one of the things about this movie it just looked like everybody on screen and what was kind of missing from oceans eight which we talked about a little mm-hmm. bit is everybody on screen looked like they're having a blast yeah and it translated to the audience because mm-hmm. it was like they're having fun we're having fun nothing was being taken too seriously <laughs> no, um, not know, at all I mean, the plot line sounds it was the movie handled that you know you have these group of friends playing tag for 30 years or whatever mm-hmm. uh as ridiculous as that sounds the movie kind of takes that on with a straight face and then ups the ante yeah, in a way that, so, I mean, this is all based on a true story. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Spokane uh, for the inspiration for this. So, in the real story, there were 10 guys, there are, <laughs> like, there are 10 guys who play this game in the movie. They pair it down to, like, five, yeah. which makes sense. And, again, what they do in this film, in trying to go after Jeremy Renner and teaming up, Jake Johnson's character, uh, what was his name? Uh, Chili. Yep. In the movie. So he was talking to John Hamm and he was like, we're going to get him this year. And he was like, you, you say that every year. And he was like, no, but this year I have a plan. And he was like, you said that last year. And he was like, I know, but this time he was like, you say this every year. Like nobody has ever tagged Jeremy Renner. Uh, and again, one of the kind of backstories of the film, which we mentioned on the last episode, Jeremy Renner has done a lot of action movies <laughs> and never really had a serious accident. Nope. First day of filming for tag, he broke both of his arms and had to wear green screen style casts yep. so they could CGI over it. So the whole time, Jed and I knew that going into this movie. The whole time we were like, all right, are we going to be able to tell? Are we going to be able to see it? You like The fact that there was only one scene when he is using a purse as a weapon. Yes. 
which was amazing. Just <laughs> is like does this nunchuck routine with a purse. Well, th- anytime they go for Jeremy Renner, it kind of slows down into uh, the Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock yes. Holmes kind of like if I punch him on the left knee, he'll turn to the right. Because like he thinks he has me off. He uh, the, his oh, overconfidence. Yeah, one of, will, <laughs> yeah, his overconfidence, uh, overconfidence will be his downfall. Then it goes into John Hamm's voice, and he was like, "I've got him. I've got. Oh no." <laughs> Really, really solid. But the whole time, we're just kind of waiting for those obvious moments of CGI. Mm-hmm. Could not really tell. I Except could... for, again, like the crazy like fast action with the purse and everything. That one, of course, because I was also a stuntman that you could tell from that was behind. They just switched angles. But the scenes like with Jeremy Renner in his regular suit walking like there's a lot of costume choices where he was in kind of like track sh- track suits yeah. a little bit uh so i wonder how much of that was a choice because it was like the full almost went over the wrist mm-hmm. or uh, around the hand kind of track style you know running outfits which worked for the character yeah. they didn't take it out or anything like that which is funny because like so in the movie all we know from jeremy like from the trailers you think that he is some spy right or whatever that that is why he is so good at this game and why he even in the trailer just kicks all their butts so you're waiting for that in the movie now he just runs a gym, <laughs> like, and he teaches self de- purse self defense classes for women, which is why he has this crazy technique with the purse. Yep, and he just is really good at tag. Yep, my favorite part, and uh, my wife went in blind to this movie. She mm-hmm. joined us with this. Uh, hadn't seen a trailer. Had I like, got mm-hmm. the barest of description just for me? So she's kind of going in a little bit trepidatious, and she ended up loving it. But her favorite character talking with afterwards was Isla Fisher, because she basically plays the wife of one of the characters mm-hmm. at Helms. At Helms, yeah, uh, and uh, is so into the game Mm -hmm. so like super fan football crazy face paint almost you know Mm -hmm. super fan that they won't let her play because they she She scares them (laughs) i mean and they have this rule book yeah that they started writing when they're and they address that it's like no girls allowed we wrote it when we were 13 or whatever and but she wants to play so but all of them are legitimately scared of her like (laughs) they want to tag jeremy runner because he is the best they're terrified of her because they're like, you take competition way too seriously. And you see that in the movie. There's a scene where uh, they basically go to almost waterboard somebody and just her exuberance and excitement for all of them. All of them just finally look at her and they're like, <laughs> we should stop doing this. All right. We've taken this a little too far. Yeah. So Isla Fisher, like she crushes it. And you could tell like almost every single reading was just her going like I'm going to take this and just go to town on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, the chemistry that you talked about again was one of the things that was lacking mm-hmm. in Ocean's 8. In Ocean's 8, we have this ragtag group of people that granted do not have the 30 years that these characters sure. do. But you still never really felt connected when they were all together. It still did not really feel like a team. Nah. Uh, whereas with this Every scene with, you know, two of them, it felt like they had known each other for 30 years. Like everything just made sense in this crazy hyper realism mm-hmm. world where they're playing tag. And they would have these moments where they'd be so into the game running and then they'd stop for a second and be like, hey, you OK? Yeah, I hurt my knee a little bit. It's been a little rough. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. OK. And they go right back mm-hmm. into it. Uh, it's fantastic. I really it was kind of a real big surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Super enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the things where, like we like we have said before, every now and then, especially with me, I mean, I'm in the theater three, sometimes four days a week. Uh, sometimes I just want to go in <laughs> and not think about anything. This type of movie, a flat-out comedy, 
was was just great for that. Yeah, and it didn't go kind of the broken lizard or something like mm-hmm. that route of being oh, too vulgar. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. cursing. Yes. Um, <laughs> But other than that, it didn't really go. Like, just look at my balls. Right. Like, yeah, no. a little bit of the, yeah. It, yeah, there's no that kind of really vulgarity that mm-hmm. you find in a lot of modern day comedy where it's like, Haha, I farted on your face or whatever. Yeah. And that that's why it's funny. I think mm-hmm. the cleverness of this was kind of where you got a lot of the humor from. This one also, and they, they address that almost specifically when uh, one of the rules is, <laughs> is you cannot punch somebody. In the butthole. And, no butthole punching. And Isla Fisher was like, wait, why is that even a rule? And they're like, well, because you see, blah, blah, and then they go into it. But again, it is that is not the butt of the joke. Oh, John, where's the bell? Where's uh, the bell? <laughs> there we are. Yeah. Uh, but that was not the joke. It was their reactions to that and how seriously they took it. They were like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, you can't do that. Yeah. But yeah, the broken lizard or whatever, or yeah. the jackass mm-hmm. style that would be the joke and they would expound on it and they would keep running with right, it. Right, and there would be some waterworks with pudding or something splattered yeah. all over somebody's face. and Yeah, it would. It, they would take it way too far. Oh, easily. Uh, but yeah, so the... And then the other supporting cast member, so Leslie Bibb is in this as Jeremy Renner's fiance. Uh, <laughs> she was great also in a different level of crazy. Oh, man, like the crazy eyes. Yeah, oh, she... Her and Isla Fisher both. Oh, yeah nail the crazy eyes <laughs> uh so yeah that was basically yeah just the cast was great the connection was great well i had some heart with the story about how mm-hmm. much these guys have used this really childish game to keep in touch with each other and have a support system yeah and part of the thing with with jeremy renner of like uh since he has never been tagged he's not quite as close as the rest of the group because yeah. he's always been this kind of other he's always above. been the best right. and so he always, he is the best at running away from his friends. Right. And so you can see them supporting each other a lot, but then they don't have the quite, the, he's lacking the support from them when he needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of weird. It was, uh, we went to a, a party after this and we played uh, tug of war and a few other, it was a birthday party. They're like, we're going to do some child games. I was like, tug of war. I was yeah. like, was it field day in elementary school? Yeah, it was, it was over on Alki beach. And we oh, did okay. Makes sense. tug of war. We did like a, a three legged race. Boom. Nice. Yeah, exactly. You know, carry some water into a bucket from the ocean and fill up the bucket. Whoever, could, team could develop and it was just one then of those you drink the bucket no uh <laughs> but it was one of those things like those childhood games really mm-hmm. kind of was like yeah this is fun why don't we do this more often yeah well i think and again just as adults we just kind of forget that part yeah. but no it, it is critically important just to act like a kid sometimes and two of the main two of the tag brothers as they call them two of the real guys were at our screening that was really cool and they talked about you know the game and talked about how yeah, this game of tag where you're supposed to be running and doing all this, like it brings them together yeah. and has. Uh, one of my favorite parts, not only, I mean, was the comedy great, but with a movie like this that is a biopic, mm-hmm. I mean, for lack of a better term. Loosely, but yeah. <laughs> loosely a biopic. In the credits, you see pictures of them. You see video of them tagging each other at sporting events. Oh, yeah. At the airport. Like where they just brought their cell phone and they've run up and tagged somebody. Like so, it immediately like these forty year old guys just running away, giggling. <laughs> at, like literally, just you know, this gray hair, overweight guy just giggling as he runs away after he tagged his friends. It's yeah. that's kind of awesome. That was awesome because it just yeah, it immediately grounded into reality. Not just were the two guys there in the theater, which is really cool, but then seeing the videos of like, no, they really do dress up in costumes. <laughs> they did all this. Like there was one clip where they were at a Gonzaga game yep. and one of them was dressed up as Spike. 
the mascot just like walking through the aisles and everything and then tags him takes off his helm like it was just it was that was solid so i liked seeing all those little those little clips uh so the official rating system for this podcast there are only three choices if this is your first time listening the three choices are good bad or ugly no stars no letter grades those are for other podcasts which are great (laughs) (laughs) Uh, top yeah form top form so good bad and ugly a good film is something that you would recommend that you came out of the theater happy you enjoyed yourself for that two hours that you were in there a bad film was something that you did not really you know dislike too much but it was not something that you would be like hey you definitely need to go check this movie out an ugly film avoid at all costs so for tag uh being the guest jed what do you give tag five jeremy renards out of five okay um uh, <laughs> nope sorry that is unacceptable oh, sorry, answer sorry, sorry uh good it was it was i'd go great it was a fun movie uh you know don't go in expecting like this big fantastic art house thing but just right. say, if you're going in for the movies with a bucket of popcorn and just having a good time i can recommend a better movie actually right now yeah uh my rating is also good this was the most fun i have had in a theater in a long time and that says something because I'm in the theater <laughs> all the time. And so, you know, you take a movie like Won't You Be My Neighbor, mm-hmm. which had all the feels and it was beautiful to see in the theater. And I saw it twice in the theater. But a movie like Tag, it was just fun. Yeah. Like I'm sitting there laughing hysterically and just having a blast. I left the theater happy. Like it was just a solid movie. Everybody was great in it the chemistry was solid so yeah it it absolutely gets a good so that was tag from 2018 directed by uh jeff tomsick i forgot to mention him before uh you might know jeff tomsick from actually nothing probably uh nope he just did some tv specials just kidding so jeff tomsick good job for directing tag uh next movie (laughs) jurassic world Fallen Kingdom. Jed, set this one up. <laughs> uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is a continuation of the Jurassic Park series. Uh, you know, uh, God creates man, man creates dinosaurs, man destroys God, dinosaurs eat man. Uh, and Woman then, inherits the earth. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the sum of this movie. Uh, Chris Pratt's back uh, in his most action horrific, you know, uh, <laughs> role he's done recently. Yeah. Yeah. But, most action hero stereotypical yes that much for sure unlike you know when you see him in guardians oh yeah he's doing the action like a legitimate action hero but having fun with it and like it is all just kind of a a game this is he basically is jake chisel action hero (laughs) right and you know (laughs) dinosaurs are uh the island that the original jurassic world was built on Mm -hmm. uh and i guess the original jurassic park yep uh, is under threat from the volcano that's going to blow up, and they must go in and save the dinosaurs, and uh, hilarity ensues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forms of hilarity, uh, yes. In that this movie <laughs> makes no sense. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> so, in this world, so this takes place three years after Jurassic World. Right. In Jurassic World, it was established that the park has reopened, mm-hmm. new attractions. They've been running for a little bit. Yeah, everything is is safe. I mean, there are little kids there. There are parents there. You can 
It is a full family Petting adventure. <laughs> yeah, like kids are riding around, you know, baby triceratops, you know, and with little saddles. So everything is going great. Here is, but then, so of course, <laughs> in Jurassic World, everything goes bad. Oh yeah. Well, they've got a they've they've got up attendance because apparently ticket sales for Jurassic Park does not right. are going downhill. Which actually, I liked that in the movie in Jurassic World they address that. Sure. They're like, can you imagine? <laughs> Only a few years ago, seeing a dinosaur blew people's mind. Five years down the road, people are bored of that. Yeah. They want to see something different. That felt real. Sure. Like, that was something where That's it was... Fair. It was like, okay, you give somebody something amazing. Eh, after a few years, it just it kind of becomes normal. Yeah. Then, after the events of Jurassic World, where the island is then evacuated because there's this huge outbreak and a bunch of damage, all of that. Mm -hmm. This picks up three years later when the volcano is erupting and they have to save the dinosaurs and there are protesters in front of the Capitol (laughs) building in DC being like, save the dinosaurs. They have rights too. Blah, blah. What? Like (sighs) nobody, these dinosaurs have been chilling on this island for years because of everything that happened in the past. A volcano is erupting. Which, I mean, right there and then, it's like, did they not realize that there was a volcano on this island when they're building, like, I mean, okay, Jurassic Park, sure. Like, that, that part, I, I, I can, I'm okay with that. I, but, I'm okay with that conceit because, again, <sighs> recently in Hawaii, you can watch video footage but of- Hawaii, like, Honolulu is not, like, being evacuated en masse. And, true, but you know. <laughs> it, it, ta- it is on an active volcano. So when lava rips through parts of the island and you- Watching the video footage of that, like, it was only, like, three, four weeks ago, was terrifying. Point. So, so again, that part I was okay with. I was like, okay, Mount Rainier is yeah. very close to us at some point. But no one is saying, like, hey, Mount St. Helens, let's build a zoo on the top of Mount <laughs> St. Helens. Right. They were just like, hey, that's going to blow up at some point. We might not want to, like, build I, a city up there. Yeah. I get it. I guess of all the ridiculous yeah, things yeah. in this movie, that was the one I was okay with. But like these protesters who were saying, you know, save the animals and you need to evacuate the dinosaurs, which mm-hmm. man created that are now going to be extinct and people are mad that they're going to be extinct again. again. Well, and then you have... Uh, um, <laughs> like what? <laughs> uh, I forgot the actress's name. Claire is her character's name. Oh, Bryce Dallas Howard? Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, who is now kind of completely switched role or like feelings from the first movie where she is we got it these are assets they are yep. they're money-making assets mm-hmm. we can't think of them as animals they are a product now she is like the head of this animal or dinosaur protection advocacy group or whatever yeah, and yeah. The, now it's like oh no we must save these these are living creatures and it's like three years ago you were like eh they're assets, you know, do what you need to do to save the money. You know? Pretty much. We'll never what, open what, again. <laughs> what do we need to create to, so we can make more money right. regardless of what the costs are? People died because she wanted to protect the secret of the Indominus Rex. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She was like, oh, no, we got to go non-lethal for it because, you know, we put a lot of money in it. Mm-hmm. And then people died because yeah. of that. <laughs> Lots <Yeah>. of people. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was kind of weird to have that character kind of switch and now be this advocate for relocating dinosaurs to another island to another (laughs) where they can live out happily but here's the thing yes as as malcolm said you know life finds a way 
okay, so even if they relocate them to another island, mm-hmm. these are now way more engineered than they ever were before, down to track subdermal trackers in them. They are still all women. Mm-hmm. So even if you put them on a new island, now that they're more engineered than ever, are they still going to find a way to breed? And if not, they're still going to die in a certain amount of time. We never really know. So it's like all you were doing is prolonging their death. Yep. I'm a huge proponent of death with dignity, <laughs> both with animals and with humans. If somebody is suffering, let them find a way out of it. So Volcano is going to kill all these dinosaurs. Oh, no. Take them to another island where they will eventually die and we can just kind of forget about them. We still cannot visit because we want to avoid that whole thing. But at least they have a place to live. Yeah. Hey, like the whole plot behind this well, was that, just weak. Hey, that's weak. And then there's the whole additional subplot with which they touch on the with again with Jurassic World, the first one mm-hmm. of uh, um, we need to make these into a, a killing machines. They're, these can be military weapons because <laughs> which as soon as they said that I leaned over to Jed and I was like, Dino Riders. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody I, who remembers Dino Riders, the cartoon, uh, that would be awesome. You know, and we we saw parts of that. With uh, what was the, the Kong movie, mm. the King Kong movie from a couple years ago, yeah. where there was like, you know, a huge machine gun mounted on a triceratops oh, yeah. skull. Give me Dino Riders, and I would be totally in. But instead, they just say that, right? And it's like they worked <laughs> out so well in the first movie. Oh wait, no, it didn't. No, because they're like, yeah, these raptors that one guy trained and kind of listened to him, sort of. Kinda. Let's go use them. Oh wait, they immediately turned against us and then ate all our soldiers. Hey, what if we tried that idea again? And that's the plot of this movie. Pretty much. And I I can I can understand the military application in the sense of okay, take for example an Allosaur, mm-hmm. a giant predator. You you own this dinosaur now. Sure. You are at war with your neighboring country. You just drop it in a war zone and let it go off. But against regular soldiers with guns, right. it is not going to last. With re- like normal business people around shooting like nine millimeters at it, it is probably going to eat a lot of people. Yeah. But if you're dropping this into a war zone, and I get it that they probably would want to do that and clone it. That takes a long time. Well, it, and you're just like, I've seen a lot what? of arguments online of like, oh, well, we use, you know, dogs in war. We've actually used seals or dolphins. dolphins. Mm-hmm. As training. It's like, yeah, but like it's bomb sniffing dogs or it's dolphins that just kind of patrol the harbor to let us know if there's like a miniature sub or something like that. Right. We're not, releasing a pack of wolves in <laughs> Afghanistan or, right. you know, Iraq or whatever. And just going like, all right, have fun doggies, you know? And and that would be a real world application. We have wolves. Yeah. We have, we have tigers. <laughs> like we have giant things. If we never figure that out with actual animals on what planet do you think that like, Oh no, those T-Rex. Okay. So we're going to make an army and we're going to train them and Right. And then T-Rex dies. He's like, all right, well, that was like $5 million and, you know, <laughs> yeah, three like- <laughs> years of raising this thing and training it down the line. All right, the need- giant roaring target over there that they hit with a, you know, surface-to-air missile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, so the, the military applications of these, I just do not okay, and really understand. I know this is a little spoilerific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the technique they use at the end, should we touch on that? Because that was the one that really drove me up the wall. Uh, no, we, we will not okay. go into that, but it was so dumb. The, the long and the short of it is how they plan on using these animals mm-hmm. in war mm-hmm. is the equivalent of pointing a gun at somebody and pulling a trigger. 
pretty much. That's about it. Like th- there is no overarching nope. plan. And one of the crazy things, so we have, so with things like moose and stag, <laughs> these giant creatures, sure. we never domesticated them. No. You never see somebody riding around on an elk. Not too often. Occasionally. But <laughs> well, they're if crazy. You, if, you live Mon- <laughs> if you live in Montana, maybe. Elk are gigantic. Moose, like growing up in eastern Washington, moose stand eight feet at the shoulders and have six feet of antlers. N- no human. And they're, and they're herbivores. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're no, not going to look at you as food. <laughs> right. No human has thought, has looked at that and been like, that is a giant industrial like a, a animal that we can use let me jump on its back and use it for something i don't know the canadians man i'm looking at you trudeau <laughs> then i'm on to you but it just we have not done this with real animals we got alligators that <laughs> if somebody were to weaponize alligators we need to be real scared of that person we're not going to because because it would be a terrible it's idea a horrible idea <laughs> like horses sure other like goats and things that we have domesticated that actually work steers water buffalo sure there are a lot of animals that we have decided through our thousands tens of thousands of years of evolution like yeah we're not going to mess around with that animal and there, I mean, there's been things throughout history of you know in the roman days of using like war dogs or using mm-hmm. like boars that kind of stuff africa they still do it sure but that's not quite the, the you know the Jurassic World series takes place a little bit in the future. There's all this technology. Bit, yeah. There's there. It's not you're not fighting people with spears. Mm-hmm. You're fighting people with like guns, M sixteen, right. and surface to air missiles, and <laughs> right. tanks, and helicopters. <laughs> right. You know, so that that the basic premise of both of these movies now of like why? Mm-hmm. Yeah it it is rough. Uh, it, one yeah. thing, uh, although what it does touch on. And you mentioned it earlier, the sure. whole the whole cycle of life. Sure. You know, God creates dinosaurs. Man you know, destroys God. Yeah. Dinosaurs eat man. Women inherits the earth. Right. This movie, more so than any other movie in the Jurassic World, Fran- Jurassic Park franchise, which that, this is the fifth movie, mm-hmm. the women run the show on mm-hmm. multiple fronts. Bryce Dallas Howard is strong and capable in her own way. Um, they, spe- they pay special attention to her footwear. Which... That was amazing. So a lot of the criticism for Jurassic World is that she ran on the whole movie in heels. This, before the movie started, we were like, oh, are they going to talk about it? Blah, blah. One of the first scenes you see of her. Her whole character interact, or introduction. Yes. Yeah, it starts with a boot hitting the <laughs> ground that she is wearing. And then, you know, pans up. Like a combat style boot. And it was like, bravo, guys. <laughs> like, good job. But uh, it's like all the criticism about the movie. That's the one they're like, all right, let's address that. <laughs> uh, Daniela Pineda played Zia Rodriguez. She was a paleo veterinarian mm-hmm. uh, that like she had a lot of huge moments. Uh, there's a young girl named Macy uh, Isabella Sermon. She has a lot of moments. So like they really did focus on the women more so than, you know, the men as far as giving them a lot to do. That being said... Oh, you still had Pratt around and, like well, you said, the best Johnny Jake Q. Jake Chisel. Yeah, Jake yeah. Chisel, action hero. Uh, I have a mustache now. <laughs> yeah. But one thing that was just bizarre about this. So you have this, at one point, and we will not go into too many mm-hmm. details, you have a compound mm-hmm. of which they need to get out of said compound. They This reminded me of the movie Gabrielle Union called Breaking In mm-hmm. from a couple months ago. They go in and out of this compound... Like four times. It was like, 
you know the way out. Go the way out. <laughs> Do not go the way out, then find another way back in, then find a different way out, then go back in. Of course. Then ca- like, not even joking, I think they did that four times, two of which were out of the sa- three of which were out of the same room. <laughs> and it was like... Why do you keep going back in the house? Right, and the the compound, or at least parts of it, mm-hmm. isn't on like some high lockdown. No. You know, there's not giant gates closing, Mm-mm. electric fence. You can leave. Yeah, there was. There's a door. Yeah, <laughs> a door, shattered windows. Like you can leave, just leave. Yeah, there's basically. I mean, there's essentially like three different acts to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. The first one kind of being played up a lot in the marketing with the 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 island with the yes. volcano. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it felt like it kind of struggled tonally a lot through those three acts because mm-hmm. the first one is so literally bombastic, yeah, of just nonstop running explosion lava dinosaur lava dinosaurs gonna eat me oh no he's lava now it's lava now it's dinosaur now it's lava and then it's like kind of takes it all back. I think you just came up with the name for the new sci-fi channel movie, Dava. Dava? Dinosaur lava. (laughs) Dinosaur. Ooh, are there dinosaurs made of lava? All right. Or or dinosaurs riding a wave of lava like Sharknado? All right. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we can workshop that. Okay, yeah, we got this. (laughs) Tsunambi. Was that other one? that? Uh, A zombie tsunami? No, that one is Tsunambi. Okay. There's a tsunami with bees. Oh, all right. (laughs) Which is in the same email... When they talked about Tsunambi, this studio sends me this email. Side note, I get emails all the time from random studios being like, hey, here's our movie to review. <laughs> sure. Okay. I get this one recently that Jed and I, I made the mistake of telling Jed about uh, it. <laughs> we're still watching this. And we have to now watch it. It is oh, called we have to. The Jurassic Dead. Yep. Which is a mix of, spoiler alert, the J- Jurassic Park and The Walking Dead, where mad scientist creates a zombie T-Rex called uh, a Z-Rex. Z-Rex. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> and the T-Rex when it bites you turns you into a zombie yep. somehow. Which I, I talk to somebody he's like, don't they just eat you? Like, what's left to turn this up? I don't know. We'll find out. I'm inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. So Jed and I will be watching this stupid movie called The Jurassic Dead from the people who brought you Tsunambi. Uh, but we will get to that later. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. First act, bombastic, lava, dinosaurs. Second act, transitional pieces, mm-hmm. building the world you know, the underbelly. Right. Third act. Escape? Yeah, it's like this kind of... Cl- <laughs> it, it, it kind of felt almost Resident Evil a little bit of like this kind yeah. of like uh, Victorian manner and there's just this danger lurking mm-hmm. through the halls. So there's a little bit of tension there and a little bit of the harking back to like the original Jurassic Park where, you know, it wasn't about the dinosaurs. I mean, the, yeah, there's dinosaurs chasing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of noise. But a lot of times it was the the fact that you're being stalked and yeah. that you were, you know, you had to kind of, you couldn't just run away from the dinosaurs. You had to like hide in the car and then, you know, the, mm-hmm. he was pushing the car around. You had to move around. It brought back a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually enjoyed that part, I think, a little bit more than the first part, honestly, just because yeah. it was a little bit more tension there. And it wasn't just so much like, well, everything's exploding. And yeah. now there's a dinosaur going to eat it. Now it's exploding. <laughs> and this movie does not waste time. No. Like it within the first ten minutes, it gets into the bombastic. Oh yeah, craziness. Oh, yeah. The first five minutes, you like you see multiple dinosaurs. Oh yeah, yeah, know. true. Which that was one of my favorite parts of this movie that they did not use enough. Mm. Actually, no, that they did not use enough to the right way. Okay. The first scenes of this movie, 
and you start seeing shadows and mm-hmm. you start seeing yeah. the trees move the trees move like that is what made Jurassic Park the first one so scary oh yeah this one it uses those moments in the beginning and you see this gigantic shadow lurking and then a mouth open and then, that was great then they ditch that completely for the second act. Then they start to bring it back in in the third act in weird ways. And it was like, like fool me once. Sure. Shame on you. Like it was just, it was just kind of weird. So I wanted more of it, but only if it was done like it was done in the first like five minutes. Right. And you can think about like the original Jurassic Park, a lot of, you know, harking back to even Jaws and yes, yeah. what the lessons Spielberg learned do there. do not see Jaws until like. 45 minutes into the movie. <laughs> right. One of the best introductions for the velociraptors is just the cow, the cow being lowered into the cage. Mm-hmm. You know, foliage moves around. You see like glimpses of scales, but that's about it. And then like the bloody harness or not so bloody harness kind yeah. of just rises back up. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all you needed to know about that. And that's established what they were so well. This one is like if you took that kind of shadowy thing and just put them under a microscope and turned on all the fluorescence and been like, yeah. look at this thing. It's a dinosaur. Here's how this works. <laughs> yeah. So it was very in your face. Mm-hmm. I saw every twist coming. Oh, yeah. Like there was nothing that surprised me about this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and you go back to the music we were talking about earlier oh. with uh, uh, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's the classic Jurassic Park theme, which is used here and there. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but one of the one moments that actually had me and John looking at each other, just giggling in the theater, was like, there's a a group of bad guys essentially mm-hmm. that show up, and literally the soundtrack from is it's like Looney Tunes, like literally like Looney Tunes, like esque like bad guys marching in, you know? So so bad. It's like, what is that? Why? Oh, it was so brutally on the nose mm-hmm. you know and then there's you know there are a group of international people so you had the very stereotypical russian the very typical you know 20 millions of right, dollars millions of dollars <laughs> like, yeah that, that uh. was pretty bad well, that was actually something that i forgot to mention with tag the soundtrack for tag oh yeah phenomenal like it was basically all 90s hip-hop it starts off the movie we know with them like when they were kids and the song playing is far side running perfect song to use and then i was like all right that is clever and then it would go into tribe called quest and then it would go into the root and i was like this soundtrack was amazing yeah and then back to jurassic world where not so much and you only got little snippets of the original Mm -hmm. iconic oh yeah classic score nobody is going to remember the score of this movie like you yeah it was just it was weird um i actually played that score uh when i was in orchestra when i was playing viola uh, during the spring string fling. <laughs> oh, that was nicely done as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that was good times. Uh, so I, I probably could still play it. Anyway. Hey. Uh, yes, yeah, so the music was all over the place. Acting was all over the place. I did like the young guy who played uh, Franklin, uh, Justice Smith. Mm. He was just fun because every now and then in a movie like this, you need that character who recognizes how ridiculous everything is and is pointing it out to everybody. Because Chris Pratt the whole time was like, oh, fine. We need yeah. to go up here. We need to do this. Blah, blah. Jake Chisel action hero. <laughs> Whereas with him, he was like, why are we here? Why are we doing this? Can I leave? That is a dinosaur. We need to go. <laughs> so it was, again, it was very on the nose. But it, it gave you that dose of realism where at least somebody mm-hmm. in this movie recognizes how ridiculous it is. Well, I think him and then uh, Zia, the character Zia. Yeah. Uh, both of them, I 
were two of my favorite characters in this movie mm-hmm. and we kind of lose track of them for like yeah. the middle part of the movie and it's very disappointing and it's just kind mm-hmm. of like they just disappear and it's not addressed and they just kind of well they, it's addressed a little bit of where they go right. but not fully and it's it's like yeah. yeah we're just gonna put them on the side table now and it's so blatantly like oh we've got these two minority sidekicks we're just gonna yeah just shove them over here we give them some moments to shine and then forget about them and, and back then, to- uh, they're back here at the very end okay yeah. great yeah. So that, that, was, that was a little bit weird. But yeah, I liked I liked that actor and that was good performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was that? Was that me? That was me. I think that was a moment. Oh, boo. Look at this guy just dinging stuff. It's a professional recording <laughs> studio. Uh, so I think that was trying to think if I wrote in any, any other notes, but I... I For me, oh, uh, one last thing. I think we had talked very briefly at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I personally, like, I, I own... Jurassic World or Jurassic Park on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the effects still hold up, and that was what Absolutely. ninety-three, right? Yeah. Uh, this one I felt was they just went so far into like super CGI that it felt very cartoony at times. At times, yes. At I, times, I did write down a note that th- there were parts where the CGI was absolutely incredible, where you are looking at it, being like, "Is that a real dinosaur on set?" Like it mm-hmm. looked very real, but. The movements of some of them were blurry. Yeah. Like you get these huge, uh, there was a scene, um, I'm not going to when it is, but he was like Triceratops mm-hmm. over some Triceratons. And the way they move, it just like, there were a couple times when they moved their head and the frill, mm-hmm. it, it literally, it looked blurry. Like it looked unfinished. Yeah. Uh, some of the dinosaurs, the larger ones. Those one made sense. Like those sure. visually looked great because nobody was really interacting with them personally. But yeah, the ones where there is some close interaction. And there's a weird kind of disconnect of like the close shot where it's like, you know, the actual physical, uh, you know, uh, dinosaurs there. And then mm-hmm. like the slightly wider shot where it's, you can see a little bit more and it's obviously CG. Yeah. The dichotomy between those, it's like, it's really disconnected. It yeah. It was kinda, not consistent. Yeah. Whereas you watch again, the original Jurassic Park, because they were developing techniques as they were doing it, everything is pretty consistent. Yeah. I mean, there's a one or two scenes that you can tell the age a little bit, but right. for the most part, it holds up. And again, part of that was also, we saw so little of the dinosaurs. Right. You know, the T-Rex, we saw in the rain at night, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, same with the raptors. We saw them in the shadows kind of lurking. This one is, you know, again, it, they're put Full under the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, no one looks good, you know, just... Full blasted. frontal. Yeah. <laughs> Full frontal with a spotlight blasted at Ugh. you. That, that's, it doesn't, no, thanks. Yeah, it doesn't do good for you. Jed and I have both done theater, and <laughs> <laughs> we do not like that experience. Uh, so, yeah, the only other thing that I wrote down um, is, yeah, kind of in, in a real-world situation, I unfortunately know that there would be people who would be protesting for the dino's rights. Sure. And it bothers me. Really? It is one of the things that bothers me with PETA. One of the many, many things that I do not like about PETA is animal rights are very important. I have gone to marches. I have advocated for animal rights in a lot of different ways throughout my life. But humans matter too. Mm. Like, it just it is so weird to me when, and this I could go off on a whole sociological rant, but I'm not going to, where somebody who would be protesting for animals' rights, who is then also not standing for Black Lives Matter. Mm. 
is is a problem for me. Yeah, there's a. I'm trying to think of when they would have written this. It definitely does not hold up, especially with a lot of the news items today. Getting on that, they're like dinos have rights. Right. Like we have children in cages right, right now, right? And we don't have nowhere near the like. It's hard, kind of a little hard to go like, yeah, okay, we'll rescue yeah. the Triceratops first. <laughs> we'll get to the the refugees who are in a Walmart behind a cage <laughs> in no, Texas. We, yeah, we'll get to them. Yeah, but right now there's a, there's a T Rex and he's gonna get hurt. <laughs> yeah, by lava. We gotta save. It. So yeah, that- which, they don't address that at all. You know, which I mean, I can't blame them super much for. Uh, it's Jurassic yeah. Park. You know, there was a clever yeah. thing on one of the the news uh, scrolls yeah. at the bottom of the screen. I'm not sure if, if you caught it, but when it was going over the news and blah blah, one of the things said, uh, "President." There was a quote from the president. It was like. Not sure if dinosaurs are actually real. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was clever. So yeah, like, props we're not, for that we're one. not saying who the president is, but it was like there would be people like oh, that yeah. too, regardless of what news footage there was, regardless oh, totally. of how many people had gone to Jurassic Park. Right, the company be, going like we've made this. That yeah. you've that we've been a theme park for like five years. There now. would be a lot of people who are like, nah, I don't know about that. I don't think it's real. Yeah, so, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if the Jurassic Park movies touched on like Black Lives Matter as part of their plot line. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, yeah, they, it's a little weird that they have so much of the plot built around like the kind of green piece. Hashtag mission. dino lives matter. Right, exactly. Yeah. And not address anything else. But I also think that, you know, it would, it would happen. Like, yeah, it, it, it would happen, which is ridiculous. Uh, cool. So, uh, your official rating for Jurassic world fallen kingdom. <sighs> All right. So one of the first movies I saw in like that I remember seeing in the theater mm-hmm. was Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. My dad took it to uh, took me and him to it. It was a dinner theater. Nice. Um, you know, it's kind of one of the big first like adult movies that I got to yeah. see. You know, so it really holds a special place in my heart. Um, so I, I always have to like go back with this and like, am I too much of a kind of nostalgic fanboying sure. as I look at this? Um, but in this case, I really think it's just it's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. I'd give it an ugly. Whoa. So I, ugly is avoid at all costs. You know, if it comes on TV or like, if you want to rent it, maybe like, sure. Like I would treat this movie almost in the same way I would treat it. And this is, sounds horrible, mm. but like a made for TV sci-fi movie where it'd be like, yeah. all right, let's get some buddies over. Let's crack open a six pack. Mm-hmm. We're going to kind of lambast this as we watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, the effects were a little bit better. The actors are a little bit better. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, same with you. Uh, Jurassic Park holds a very special part of my and Oh, my book is actually out. Like, I still have the book that I got in, like, elementary school. Um, I saw this in the drive-in theater. Nice. When it, when it came out. Uh, I love dinosaurs to this day. I have multiple dinosaur books that I have kept since I was a kid. As I'm watching the movie, I can still name mm-hmm. a lot of them. Uh, and which it bothers me when they get stuff wrong. But at the same time, I know that they genetically modified them. So I kind of have to take that back a little bit. Like the Pachycephalosaurus that you see in this movie is this weird, it was tiny a, uh, hybrid. It's a strictly, uh, it's a strictly nom- it's, it's, it's a different variety. It's I not know. a Pachycephalosaurus. It's a, it's a smaller variety. It's yeah. a, that one's actually legit. Well, and like in Jurassic World, when some of the like pteranodons and flying reptiles no. have like T-Rex faces. And I was like, what? Well, no. I mean, they, they, Henry Wu addressed it, I think, pretty actually succinctly. The first one was like, yeah, we've been genetically modifying these from the get-go. You think yeah. these actually look like that? No, we made them look like we want them to look like. Yeah. 
So I love dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, I love Jurassic Park, the first one. Lost World was okay. Uh, third one, yeah. Fourth one, yeah. Fifth one, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Officially, I'm giving it a bad. Okay. Uh, but it is right on the cusp of ugly. Yeah. This is part of me would want wants to tell people to see it in the theater because you get this big special, you know, right. presentation. I just think some people are going to be bored. And when we see these press screenings, and some of these are open to the public, and even at terrible movies, mm-hmm. people clap at the end. The, the producers are not there, no. people. The directors are not there. This one, there was only like five or so people clapping. And there's <laughs> points in the movie where people were laughing, La- yeah. and they weren't, like, they weren't the funny parts. <laughs> no, which is never a good sign. Yeah. So... I, I give it a bad, but it, it, it is real close. And that that hurts me. Yeah. And it hurts because, man, do they leave the door wide open for more of these. Oh. Like, the the last 10 minutes of the film is basically the setup for any number of movies they could do. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, come on. Yeah. So, that, that was just, that was pretty weak. Uh, Chris Pratt was, yeah, his most action hero-esque but very one-dimensional which normally i like chris pratt but i yeah. just don't think the writing was there for it yeah bryce dallas howard is is okay but again just kind of bland the the villains in this the human villains yeah. are almost just comical almost just snidely whiplash well you have the the great white hunter character right which is you know such a trope was lifted right from the second one basically yeah uh, or and the first one that's true like the one that's like, true clever the, girl right uh but it's it feels like a low rent version of that character yeah. you know he has this whole thing with taking the teeth of yeah, that was... like this weird subplot and it's just <laughs> a dinosaur smiles and like literally almost winks at the uh, camera john yeah how could you not give it an ugly yeah uh, it like literally breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> I know that's a little bit of spoilers, or whatever. But the dinosaur literally looks at the camera and smiles right before it eats a guy. Like, hey, can you believe yeah. this guy? <laughs> and like, literally, just looks and like smiles. Yeah. It smiles. Uh, like the mouth raises. Like, how can it even smile? A dinosaur also cries. Yes. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> ah, it does. Yeah, a single tear. Again. How? Can yeah. It, Oh, John. Again, like, it, it is it is, it is right there. A dinosaur <laughs> runs away from an explosion behind it. It, it does, does the a... slow motion jump from an explosion, John. <laughs> There's a fireball behind it. And the it does, dino- like, does, like, hardcore, hardcore Bruce Willis <laughs> style yeah, like, through the it, glass. Yeah, like, it, flies through the air, you know, as the boosh goes off behind it. God, <laughs> I know there's dinosaurs, John, and the T-Rex is back. And th- that that might be why <sighs> I'm sticking with my bad is because it still had dinosaurs. It in. did, That's... and they and they looked good for the most part. But oh man, this movie is is rough. It's a mess. Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, so there we go for Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. It gets an ugly from Jed, which is avoided at all costs. It gets a bad for me, but real close to ugly, like. If I were to even watch this a second time, it would drop down to ugly. Mm. But as of right now, <laughs> I literally, ju- we got out of the theater like 35 minutes yep. ago. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, but Tag, on the other hand. Great movie. I uh, got two goods. Hilarious. A movie about 40-year-old guys playing Tag. 
Yeah. Well, much better written, much better acting, mm-hmm. better soundtrack, better CGI, and better CGI. Parts. <laughs> Which watching this with the CGI, I was like, why did they make Henry Cavill's mustache look so yeah, what's bad? Going like on that with was this? like a hundred million dollars, and it was like, this is arms, and you could never tell. No. Like it, it was just weird. But oh. uh, yeah. So as far as some upcoming things for the About to Review podcast. Uh, this coming weekend here in Seattle, Ace Comic Con uh, will be here at the Wamu Convention Center, and I will be attending. I think Tim is also going to be there for a couple days. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing the CEO of Ace Comic Con, and just like when I cover any of these Comic Cons, I basically just walk the floor looking for artists who grab my attention. A lot of times, I'm looking for artists of color, looking for artists who are in a medium that is still so dominated by just white people in general. That's why I want to find those creative projects, even if they're working for the big two, finding those voices and looking for those things to be like, okay, how does this, you know, affect everything else? What are you working on right now? What independent projects are you working on? So I'm sure I will be interviewing a bunch of people at Ace Comic-Con this weekend Next weekend is the Washington State Toy and Geek Fest, uh, which I might be checking out like one day of uh, with either Dyer and or Nicholas from uh, the Northwest Nerd podcast. We might go out there. It is in Puyallup, which is a.k.a. Egypt uh, outside <laughs> of Seattle. Uh, but they actually have some pretty good guests. Uh, Ming Chen is going to be there, so I might hit him up and have him on the show again. Uh, and then uh, also next week, I think it's actually two weeks I can drop the interview that I did with Aaron of the Feelin' Film podcast. We did a collaboration interview with Gus Van Sant and Beth Ditto from the new movie Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. That interview went off the rails quickly. Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) We went from talking about the movie uh, to then black holes and metaphysics. Um, it It got weird. All right. But that is a little bit of a teaser for that interview, which uh, I have to wait to drop until the movie comes out. So that will be on, I think, Friday, July 6th. So in a couple weeks. Uh, but yeah, so shout out to Aaron from the Feelin' Film podcast, who we teamed up for, for that one and tried to <laughs> tried to make sense of it. But I will probably just release it unedited because that is what I like to do anyway. Yeah. So cool. So that about wraps it up for this episode of the About to Review podcast. Any uh, Anything going on with you? Anything uh, that you ran away and joined the circus? Literally. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. No, uh, not right now. Uh, we get a pretty quiet summer, hopefully, nice. leading up. We'll have some big stuff in the fall. We can talk about that later. Sounds like um, a plan. But yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, and for this podcast, make sure to follow it on social media at About to Review. Also, go to Facebook.com slash About to Review and write a review. I still like it was only recently a couple months ago and I found out how to do that. So I never Jed has given me a look like duh. <laughs> I never like You're I focused on literally like literally John review. the reviewer. <laughs> right. And then I was like, I should give people the ability to review my podcast on Facebook. So yeah, you can go on Facebook and leave a review. That would be great. And you too could be about to review. You could. One of the reviews, of course, is oh, yeah. I'm about to review, about to review, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and then youtube.com slash about to review as well about review.com where you can find full links to the show notes and guests and the geek items and the movies that we discussed thank you again to mayumi and natch for inviting me to vancouver to cover the diversity in filmmaking panels it was great i love love going up to vancouver 
And they already invited me up to cover a couple more festivals uh, in the late summer and fall. Anybody listening to this from Vancouver who is running a festival or works for a festival, hit me up. Seriously, I love going up there and covering these festivals and giving people a platform to just talk about their art. So, yeah. So, for this episode of the About to Review podcast, I have been joined by... That guy named what? A.K.A. Jed. And I have been your host, that guy named John. We will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a treat.